Sarah's so mad that she can't date Catherine Keener in this movie. I'm literally upset. I'm not mad at Johnny Swade. I'm mad. I'm just upset at heterosexuality under the standards. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I see, <laughs> I see the world clearly and no one else can. I see the lens. Everyone's living with a filter and it's not. I, I see without the filter. I see men for who they really are, and I, it's a burden that I bear every day. It's a weight that I carry on my back. Don't shift your weight. Don't stare. And for God's sake, whatever you do. Hello, and welcome to March Bradness. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah, and this is the world's only March Madness-style Brad Pitt-themed podcast, where we're pitting every one of Brad Pitt's movies against one another in a quest to find the ultimate Brad. Uh, This week, we are discussing Fight Club and Johnny Swade. Taking it real back to the 90s. Oh, back to the 90s. I was in a very famous movie show. A movie show? <laughs> movie show. Movie, moving picture. I was in the pictures. Uh, yeah, these movies are only eight years apart, I realized, which is Bonkers. Two movies about toxic masculinity. Yeah, I um, am actually so fascinated by this pitting i am too i when i was pitching um to various media outlets after ad astra came out my idea was to sort of like talk about the ways in which brad pitt has been like tackling the concept of masculinity throughout his films Mm -hmm. and i still think i'm gonna write something about it because i think i could say it better than most people due to our station in life but um No, I think that, like, Johnny Swade is such a fascinating sort of thesis point, almost, for a lot of the work that he's done over the years. Mm -hmm. And I don't see it talked about a lot, which makes me very compelled. Yeah, I do. I guess, do we want to start with Johnny Swade? Yeah, I guess that one's, I watched that one second. Yeah, same. Who wants to summarize? Do you want to summarize? Johnny Swade is the story of an aimless young man who has very tall hair and he thinks his life is turning around when he f- finds a pair of of um, suede shoes that fall out of the sky literally falls into his lap he wants to be a rock star but he has no talent and no ambition uh he forms a shitty band with his friends uh and they nothing nothing really happens in this movie he's just like dating a series of women first he dates um this younger woman who's like in an abusive relationship with an older man and Brad's like, yeah, I'm seeing her on Tuesdays and Thursdays and she sees him on Wednesdays and Fridays or whatever. And, uh, but that goes nowhere. And like throughout this movie, Johnny Swade is given all these like great opportunities. Like the mom of this girl is like in touch with like a record producing company and she's like, yeah, send me a demo. And like, he never does. And then he like meets Nick Cave in an alley, like offers him some fried chicken. And, um, this isn't a summary, but this movie has no plot. (laughs) Brad is continually presented with opportunities to further his career. And he just like wastes them away because he has one functioning brain cell and um then yeah later in the movie he starts dating Catherine Keener who's like way too good for him and has her shit together and like a real job and all that and like inexplicably loves him but he's just a total asshole to her and um miserable in bed and uh 
So that kind of falls apart. And then he cheats on her with a woman that he meets on the subway in a scene that was written by someone that has never, ever, ever spoken to a woman ever because he first looks up her skirt and she sees him doing this on the subway. Then he follows her home and then he walks into her apartment and then they have sex. Anyway, Brad loses everything and learns nothing. <laughs> the end. That's it. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Swade. Such, such, such an accurate portrayal of a man. <laughs> Any man. And like, <laughs> just a man. One this is man. what a man is. Every man. No, it's, it's that. And then it's also just like, and I say this every time I talk about the movie, but it's just like, I've never watched a movie that has so much. It's like so obviously not on his side. Yes. Like when I was watching it, I definitely was thinking a lot too about how he's very much like, also that type of man who's like, well, I don't hit women, so I respect them. I don't think a man should do that, and that makes me better than other men, and I'm not shitty. Like, that bare minimum male feminist. Oh, he's so bare minimum. He's, like, delusional about the success he thinks he's going to achieve. He has absolutely zero self-awareness, not like not a shred of self-awareness. He doesn't understand sarcasm. He takes everything super personally and gets all offended if you are like, he thinks that you're making fun of him. Just like the most fragile little ego wrapped up in his giant hair. His apartment is a fucking shithole. This is a man that has like only ketchup packets in his fridge. Uh... He's His pros cons list for moving in with Catherine Keener pros were uh, things like color TV and snacks, <laughs> and cons were can't do things that guys do, can't make a fart. You <laughs> <laughs> have to go into his room. <laughs> I can't figure out. Why? And I want to talk about this for Fight Club, too, because, yeah, these movies have a weird amount in common. I'm very surprised. I can't figure out why I don't... Why you're not moneyballing it? Exactly! Thank you for putting a word to it. I don't feel like a visceral, I hate men anger, you know what I mean? I just feel sad that I don't have a girlfriend. I think because the movie hates him. I guess. Like, there's no, like, there's no way that the movie is, like, at all painting him as an aspirational figure. Yeah, that's true. Or as, like, an example or as, like, any yeah. sort of good thing. I think the movie is just very plainly, like, this man is surrounded by all of these, like, legitimately cool and interesting people who are, like, trying. And he's right. just not. And all of his friends really kind of hate him. Yeah, and, like, everyone gives up on him. Yeah. That's what's really, yeah, and like his, like, I guess you'd say best friend in the movie, like they have a job together painting and stuff, like that's a really interesting dynamic because like, does his friend have a name in the movie? Is that given? I forget, but I can look it up. Okay. I should remember. I've seen this, we've seen this movie like three so times. So many times. Um, but his friend is smart and like having his friend talk to him, like his friend has this level of self-awareness that like, you know, we've all been there where you're having a conversation with somebody who's just like a fucking idiot. Deke. Deke. There we go. I don't know how Brad played so dumb. I would never think of this movie outside of when I'm not watching it. I'm never like, oh, wow. You know what? Brad did a really good job in Johnny Swade. But when I'm watching Johnny Swade, I 1000% forget that I'm watching Brad Pitt. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just watching a man that has nothing behind the eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing. Yeah. There's no internal thought process going on. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so fascinating because then it's like, on the other hand, you get the exact opposite Venn diagram with Tyler Durden where it's like, that's a shark. Right. <laughs> you know? But, like, in the same vein of, like, pissing in the soup and shit. <laughs> right. It's just so interesting. What the fuck? I'm thinking, too, about Burn After Reading, his character in that. And there's something really mm-hmm. different about, like, I, maybe, I guess it's, like, the good-heartedness of... No, but for sure. Like, Burn After Reading, Brad, there is, like, it's, it's, he is a, he is a dumbass. Yeah. And just, like, means really well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, doop-a-doop-a-doop. And, <laughs> like, does. too stupid to be bitter about, like, yeah. not being successful. Yeah. He's and, just a dog. He's, like, yeah. A, and Johnny Suede is, like, insecure, has, like, a bitterness that, like, not everything is being handed to him yes. in the way that he expects it to be. He's really sulky. And then he, just the way that he, like, fucks up, like, he keeps getting so lucky and fucking it up. Mm-hmm. And not realize, he doesn't recognize what he has. Like, he's not smart enough to see his own opportunities. Um, it's really interesting to watch it for me as a, as a, as a young woman trying to date men in New York who... <laughs> likes the creative types i'm like i'll just never date again because this is every single man you speak to ever and they all suck jesus fucking Christ. this movie makes me feel so bad that i'm single like yeah that too <laughs> the fact that johnny fucking like, had all these super beautiful girlfriends who were, like, way too good for him, and he's just, like, a, a brick that gained sentience, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Like, where am I going wrong? You know what I mean? And I'm just like, if I was a straight man, the bar is on the fucking ground. It's below the ground. The bar is underground. It makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. Not even mad, just, like, depressed. Uh, yeah, no, it was... It's um, not a great movie to watch when you're single because it'll depress you either way. Either way, gay or straight. Why does Johnny Swade have two and a half girlfriends that I don't even have one? <laughs> but Sarah, are you Brad Pitt? No, I'm not Brad Pitt. That's the fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's where everyone's going wrong. God. Every man out there who's trying to be a musician is not Brad Pitt. And uh do they all just forgive him because he's hot? That's horrible. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to cry. I mean, like speaking from experience of having spent more time than I should fucking around with someone who's no, really dumb and annoying cannot, because no. they were hot. <sighs> Listen. No, it's like it's just like such an accurate portrayal of just that like shitty dumb white cis man twenty something who's like, yeah, I'm in a band, and it's like, oh cool, like do you play anywhere? It's like, not yet, but uh, I'm gonna someday be famous, just cause, just cause like I should be. Brad, I love you in this movie, but I fucking hate you. I don't even hate him. You can't. E- you can't even hate him because he's just. He does. He's not smart enough to hate. What What else is there to say? I don't know. Um, I think that it's gonna be like like last time. It's gonna be easier to talk about them both after talking about them individually because yeah. I think like 
the thing that's interesting is the two in conversation with one another, as they would say at a gallery. (laughs) You're absolutely right. That means you get to give the summary for Fight Club. (gasps) Wow. Uh, First of all, when you review Fight Club on Letterboxd, it gives you a little pop-up that says you're about to break the first rule of Fight Club. Do you want to proceed? That's cute. I know. It's really cute. It has the little punch emoji. It's really cute. That's cute. Fight Club. Brad Pitt. Hot. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Great. No, Fight Club follows Edward Norton, the narrator, who is uh, filled with malcontempt for society, and he is a mindless consumer drone, and he's coming to realize that, and he can't sleep. So then he starts going and pretending that he has all these ailments so that he can cry and sleep because men aren't allowed to have feelings, except for if they're dying. His apartment burns down, and he meets uh, Tyler Durden, who he had previously met on an airplane. Tyler Durden takes him out for a pitcher of beer. And then Tyler agrees to let the narrator uh, stay at his place on the condition that he fights him, uh, because (laughs) neither of them had ever been in a fight before. And thus, Fight Club is born. A series of events happen wherein Tyler Durden continues to push the narrator to and past his limits physically, spiritually, Mentally, sexually. Whoa! (laughs) And uh, slowly but surely, Tyler Durden uh, begins a project called Project Mayhem, which is built out of Fight Club, which is basically just like, fuck the fucking system, man. Just causing chaos, getting rid of banks and shit. And then it turns out, as it's getting more and more escalated, and they're going to blow up all of the credit card registries and erase all the debt, that Tyler Durden is nothing but a hallucination of the uh, insomniac narrator. And so they come to a head, and Brad Pitt has this great monologue about how Tyler Durden just represents everything that the narrator wishes he could be as a man. And uh, then the narrator shoots himself in the face, and he obliterates the illusion of Tyler Durden, and then the buildings all fall down. Well, he and Marla Singer, who is a character he and Tyler Jordan have been dating uh, off and on throughout the film, hold hands. And then a giant penis flashes across the screen for a split second, and then the movie's over. The end. The penis, because Tyler Durden works a series of odd jobs, one of which involves uh, working at a movie theater and splicing pornography into the film. Mm-hmm. Single, single frames of pornography into family films. Like a chaos demon. He is chaotic, a chaotic. Chaotic, ev- chaotic neutral. Neutral. He's in it for himself. He has no agenda. Dude, his outfit's so good. I know we talk about it every time. So good. So he's good. Th- he's just, he's so hot. <laughs> he's so hot. It's so interesting how he, they didn't dress him masculine. You know what I mean? No. Like, he's got the hustler shirt that's got like netting. He's got Mesh, like yeah. the, like a big fur coat, you know what I mean? Like he's very extra. Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> Stop. I can't. Um, no, for sure. I think that's really interesting. And then they like point to it a little bit when they're discussing the Calvin Klein ads of mm-hmm. like, is that what masculinity is supposed to be? Mm-hmm. In a way, like it's a representation of the freedom that the khaki and slacks wearing narrator is sort of seeking of yeah. I wish I could put on whatever. The discussion David Fincher, man-hater, is having about the idea of being free of 
the prison of masculinity means that you're allowed to wear like low-cut pants and floral shirts with your nips showing and shit like that you right know? right you're allowed to like be sexy it's non-conformist yeah exactly and not the way that like the calvin klein ad says that like this is what sexy is yeah which i think is super fascinating I don't know. There's just like a severity to Brad in this one that Mm -hmm. I think is really interesting as well. And I think has led to it being, I mean, obviously like the context of the film and the film itself has led it to be like very iconic. But Mm -hmm. I think that there is like a certain amount of severity and he commands that screen so well in this. Oh yeah. Huge amount of range. I was really noticing this time the like progression that he makes there's, like, a real friendliness to him in the beginning. There's, like, more of, like, a lightness to him mm-hmm. when um, he's a little bit silly when they're when they're talking in the bar and when he's, like... I uh, also like the scene where Ed Norton is on the phone with Marla and in the background Brad Pitt is just playing with nunchucks. <laughs> or, like, the part where he's biking around the house in, like, the stupid hat. There's yeah. something very, like, joyful almost about yeah, him. Yeah, there's, like, a, a little kidness. He seems like a... I don't know, you're still intimidated by him. He's definitely cool, but like the friend of your older brother or something yeah, like that, exactly. you know? And the way that that changes throughout the film, like at some point he turns a corner and becomes like very, very scary. And when he's doing the chemical burn on the narrator's mm-hmm. hand and then he starts to, you know, take over Project Mayhem and all that kind of stuff, there becomes this like super sharpness to him where like all that is just like stripped away and you're scared of him and you, mm-hmm. he seems like so so much more powerful than the narrator and um Mm -hmm. and i think that too speaks to like this concept of masculinity and how Mm -hmm. like it can be really disarming it Mm -hmm. can be like oh this is like fun whatever cute Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. we're just having a good time Mm -hmm. and then like is absolutely fucking terrifying right when you get the sort of like sense of entitlement isn't the right word but just sort of like the sense of the thing that i am doing is the correct thing yes it's so good it's so Fight Club is good. It's galaxy fucking brain. <laughs> it's really good. I wish I didn't like it as much as I did. Like it's subversive because you're a woman. I guess so. But then And also, it's doubly subversive because you're a lesbian. Thank you so much for saying that. I <laughs> I you love to hate it. You know what I mean? Cuz like it is so like I whenever I watch I just think about like seeing it for the first time in college and being like so like oh I like you know discovering weed for the first time and thinking you're so fucking smart because you figured out that the government is bad actually and um, (laughs) like it's so hard to like get away from that feeling when I watch it and like some of the stuff that it does is just like come on but like I love it it's just like yeah it's it's I don't know it's fun it's so fun it's so snappy I mean it's one of those things where you can totally tell that it was based on a book because like they've got it so tight and like Mm -hmm. the continuing uh narration and like the snap it's just so snappy I don't know I'm just like trying to figure out how I feel I've been thinking about a lot it's yeah just like how I feel about it in terms of what it's doing with masculinity because like I do feel like the only reason Marla is in it is to forgive the narrator when I don't think he deserves to be forgiven. Mm-mm. And um, yeah. so that sucks. But at the same time, I feel like it really, really is critiquing and condemning masculinity. And obviously everything that they're doing isn't meant to be seen as a positive. I don't know. But then is it? You know what I mean? I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, like, fuck 
the banks. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. It felt so relevant watching it. Yeah, it's like it feels more relevant now than it like it's very interesting to watch in the year of our Lord 2019 mm-hmm. on the 20th anniversary of Fight Club. God, I can't believe um, we timed that. Uh, you know, so good. Sometimes at we're just that good. <laughs> And on Brad Pitt's birthday, nonetheless. Oh, my God. Happy birthday, Uh, Brad. No, it's just, like, in the 90s and, like, going into the 2000s, it was, like, very much the kind of idea of being malcontent with, like, or discontented with prosperity. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're prosperous. Things are going good. There's no sort of major war. Economy is great. Everything is fine. I feel empty because there's, like, no existential angst. Yeah. going on and now watching it 20 years later when the economy is in the shithole and all our heroes are dead and our enemies are in power uh it just feels like so much more cathartic it felt cathartic to mm-hmm. like watch that chaos happen and be like absolutely yeah it was like very millennial how they were talking about like oh we were promised all this stuff and like it's not possible, and we're all the oh, and the and the and the the fact that like oh, what did they say? They were threatening one of the guys, and he was like, "We're everywhere. Like, we serve your food, we pump your gas. Like, mm-hmm. you should be afraid of us." Yeah. Where is that fucking revolution? We need a fight. We need a fight. Club. Got to get everybody to watch Fight Club. You know, maybe I can't believe I can't believe Fight Club is good. Fight Club is good? Question mark. Um, it, it's so anti-capitalist in a way that I was almost like, could they make this today? Mm-hmm. I feel like if it was made today, there would be some character that offered like a snarky counterpoint. Yeah, like maybe banks are good. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Exactly. <laughs> I also just like think too that like there's a lot of like interesting stuff going on like during the chemical burn scene and stuff like that of being present it was almost a mindfulness movie also no absolutely there's multiple yeah just like being present and like aware and not trying to numb your pain and suffering Mm -hmm. and like embracing it and letting it galvanize you i think is a really interesting thing it feels like it is actually important and not just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's an important movie or an important text, but like in this like time period, it feels important, which is really fascinating. I'm stunned by how relevant it felt. I'm I'm stunned that it. I don't have the words for it. <laughs> it's beyond words. We're nuclear brain now. I don't know. I also want to like go back to what you were saying about like Marla only existing to mm-hmm. forgive the narrator. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because uh-huh. I think that Marla is like a necessary component in seeing how shitty the masculinity is and like seeing mm-hmm. how shitty these characters are, especially after you learn that Tyler isn't real and that the narrator is being like this horrible, shitty, awful person to her. I think that Marla just sort of like exists as like an interesting point of someone who's like fucking this system in their own way that isn't so catastrophically destructive no totally i i agree with that and like i love marla as a character i don't think that she was like one note at all she's Mm -hmm. like feels like a very fleshed out character my issue i think is that the movie ends with them holding hands Mm -hmm. as if she has forgiven him Mm -hmm. So it feels like he was, like, rewarded for the way that she was treated. Like, I don't feel like there was no justice for Marla. Justice for Marla 2020. 
And she was the only... And then there was also that shitty line about, like, you know, we're a generation of men that were raised by our mothers. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there were no women in Fight Club allowed. And I think that there are plenty of women who would absolutely fucking love to punch people. Mm -hmm. Myself very much included. Yeah. Like, you can have a movie about masculinity and have women in it because women are very deeply affected by masculinity. Yeah. No, for sure. I agree. That's true. But I also think that, like... It almost felt like sort of like a Lord of the Flies situation, you know? The author of Lord of the Flies was, and this quote comes up every once in a while whenever anyone talks about Lord of the Flies, mm-hmm. but was basically like the book had to be about only schoolboys because like women have brains <laughs> and like the the level of savagery wouldn't be present if it weren't just a bunch of men, men like scratching their dicks, you know? I I guess I just feel like it, it turns into like a men are from Mars, women are from Venus or what I, I might have switched those. But um you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As if like women aren't affected by all this and aren't affected by like capitalism. Mm-hmm. This is affecting us all. Like the fact that this movie feels so relatable, like that I can watch this movie and just be like, Oh my god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like this movie is about society. <laughs> we live in a society. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a frog in a ball. Still just... <laughs> During the scene when Ed Norton is like, which part of the Ikea catalog most represents my personality, I'm like, I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's so... To watch it as an adult. I love the Ikea catalog. God, we need a fight. We need a fight close so bad. We need a, we need a, we need to burn the banks down. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? I just want to Mike Tyson someone's ear off, you know? Yeah. Where's my Tyler Durden? I'll fucking do it. Where's Tyler? Can't sleep. That's step one is no sleeping. (laughs) If I stop, if I stop sleeping, will I then become the Chad Tyler Durden? (laughs) This is the movie of the Chad and the Virgin. Wow! (laughs) Holy shit! (laughs) Like, straight up. No, it's interesting, though, because uh, Brad Pitt in Fight Club is brought up a lot on incel boards as, like... God. It's like some, like, surgical reconstruction and shit like that. Oh, my God. Those articles are fascinating and very dark. I recommend reading them. Terrifying. I guess that's where I'm like, if, if men are coming away with this feeling... If men are taking this as, like, a men's rights activist movie, then is it then not doing enough to condemn it? Right. And I think that's interesting. And then that gets into the response. Like, the conversation of, like, what's the responsibility of a creator to yeah. guide interpretation of their work? Right. Whereas it's, like, everything Fincher has said is, like, these people are bad. This is not someone to be admired. Yeah. Like, but is it stuff a, like it, that. The narrator is not condemned though the narrator is treated very sympathetically mm-hmm. tyler he's fucking cool till the end man he's cool. he's so fucking cool <laughs> he's cool even oh talking about his arc he's like so in charge of that end scene when mm-hmm. you know they're waving the gun around and he's like you can't fucking shoot me you know what i mean At the very end when the narrator turns it to his own mouth there's just like this flash of eyebrows when brad is like interesting then he fucking no it's great it's and it's just like it's fascinating to see how much Brad evolved as an actor between Johnny Swade and Fight Club, mm-hmm. especially considering like the 
similarities in the subject matter and the similarities in terms of both of them are playing like a quote unquote cool dude. Mm-hmm. One of them is like more obviously condemned by the text than the other. Although Tyler Durden is condemned in the meta text, which gets into a whole thing. But it's like he has so much nuance in Fight Club mm-hmm. and like so much control. It's just so fascinating. It's it is a fascinating and almost hypnotic performance Mm -hmm. the essence of cool in the new york times um new york times magazine article that came out last week one of the questions that the interviewer asked was you're known as like this cool guy brad pitt is like a symbol of cool like how much does that inform what you take to a role or something like that and he's Mm -hmm. like it doesn't i don't allow that perception to influence wow yeah, which it's a fascinating article. I really recommend reading it. And then he gets into a thing where he's like, I don't, like, I stopped reading press about myself in the 90s and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't actually pay attention or synthesize the things that people say about me and the impression that they make of me as a person and a symbol. Wow. Which I think is very interesting. Seems impossible to do. That's why the man doesn't have a Twitter. <laughs> I just feel like I would just go. I would just go mad. Like, I would have to know. That's probably why he still seems so grounded. Mm -hmm. I know we talk about that. You can tell who follows their name on Google. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can tell. Yeah, no, for sure. Leonardo DiCaprio Mm -hmm. follows his name. Oh, that man searches himself on Twitter every morning. (laughs) Henry (laughs) Kitcher. Uh, can you can you tell that story? You don't have to tell it, but I oh, think it's absolutely. really funny. Um, so, back in the good old days of Tumblr.com, <laughs> really more towards the end of it. it, feels like a million years ago now. I know it does. It it, it, was. it was. It was like three or four years ago now. Um, I has had my toes in the modeling fandom, uh, which basically means I mostly used Tumblr to look at pictures of hot boys, um, but not in like a porn way. <laughs> And <laughs> this was b- before they banned pornography, so it's important to make that distinction. Yeah, it is. Um, no, I just like editorial fashion, and I like that they cast a lot of very tall, very skinny British boys that are very gaunt. Um, as I eat that shit up, and one of them, Henry Kitcher, uh, was one of my favorites. I followed him on Twitter for a while, and he was just like a fucking fucking Johnny Suede ass motherfucker. <laughs> Thought he was so cool, just like very dramatic in a very English way. And at one point, I put on Tumblr, Henry Kitcher is my favorite poser. The next day, I got a message in my inbox from Henry Kitcher's personal Tumblr blog, which was just full of like fashion photos and anime porn. And he was like, go fuck yourself. Lots of love, Henry Kitcher. <laughs> and then I think I, res- I responded and I was like, you misunderstand. I meant it with love. I've been asking for you to recommend me anime for months. <laughs> it was uh, also 6 o'clock Central Standard Time, which was like 2 a.m. E- or like in London on like a Tuesday absolutely blasted out of his mind i think you i think we were even like running experiments because like this is the certainly the most exciting thing that had happened that week and um i remember i think we were trying to search on tumblr to see if it would show up and it was like the search and it didn't it was like a google alert yeah yeah 
I'm so I'm horrified, fascinated, thrilled. That's a man who reads his Googles. <sighs> Brad Pitt does not read his nope. Googles, which is very chat of him. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Brad Pitt. Chad. He's also Chad. in the um interview he like the interview is like starting to talk about his scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with the acid, which I found out recently was the scene he submitted for a nomination consideration for the Golden Globes. Oh, good for him. So, and the interviewer is like, wait, that was like very convincing though. Have you ever done acid? And Brad Pitt was like, who, me? I'm microdosing right now. (laughs) And I don't know if it was a joke or not. I would believe it. But he's sober. Can you microdose if you're sober? Probably not. Like how they call how they call um, sober except for smoking weed California sober. That's so funny. Uh, it's Seattle sober. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> Seattle sober. I'm fucking tripping right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ! No, Brad strikes me as a man that's done a lot of psychedelics. Brad strikes me as a man that's done like ayahuasca and shit. Oh. For sure. Do you have we all saw Brad Pitt in 2012 with the fucking beard? Yeah, that like, man fucking. He's sure. just got a kind of a chill personality. Yeah, he's a he's a chill thinky dude. His third eye is open. Oh, pin. <laughs> he did not receive too much fluoride as a child. <laughs> His third eye calcified. Wow. Um. Sarah, which one won? Um, I think Tyler Durden fucking balls to the wall. Pummeled Johnny Swade. Fucking no question. But I think that you all knew that when you saw the title of this episode. It's true. We're not gonna we're not gonna I do recommend for those at home watching these movies in tandem. Oh. Like it is a very interesting conversation. Thousand percent. Do watch it. Like, of all of the pittings, most of them, I'm like, whatever. But these two are two movies that I think there is a lot of benefit to watching them Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend you do so. Can and should be compared. I'm so If you can find Johnny Swade on the internet. And it's a good Brad. Johnny Swade is a good Brad. Johnny Swade made it as far as it did for a reason. It's just nothing can beat the range and intensity of Tyler Durden. He gets. Or maybe something will. TV or may- absolutely maybe something will. I'm so I'm so scared. I'm so scared of what's going to happen going forward. Into the uh, into the elite eight. We're in the elite eight now. Oh my god, we did it! This is the this is the end of the of round three of the bracket. Elite eight, sweet sweet sixteen, done. <gasps> elite eight now. I'm gonna have a heart attack. This is the real shit. We're so close to the final four, and it's only good movies except for Happy Feet too. <laughs> um, I don't know what you mean, except. <laughs> I'm sorry. What a weird qualification to put in there. Um, <laughs> how could I, how could I dare? Um, the other thing to note, maybe we can close the episode with this, but Brad Pitt's birthday was yesterday. He's officially 56 years old. He's my dad's age. Dad-sized. Um, <laughs> dad-sized? Dad-sized. I imagine he is a good size for a dad. I I just want to wish Brad Pitt a happy birthday. Brad, if you're listening to this and you do end up doing that movie with Damien Chazelle, one, 
I still love you. And two, can we come to the premiere? Thanks. Brad. Okay, Brad, if you're listening to this, we do have a very serious request. Oh, we should talk about the links that we're going to right now. Brad. Oh my God. Can we please come over to your house and watch Voyage of Time, the IMAX experience, the 45-minute version that you narrated, not the Kate Blanchett version that was released to Blu-ray? Or the ultra-widescreen edition, which is the one that I saw. <sighs> We realized that there is a Brad Pitt movie that we still have not seen, which is Voyage of Time, which Hannah reminded me (laughs) was out in theaters when we started this podcast and we didn't go see it because it was showing at the zoo and we didn't feel like driving to the zoo. It's my fault. I didn't feel like driving to the zoo. Because I don't have a driver's license. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I fucked up. I did not know that they would not release the Brad Pitt version to DVD. We have emailed every archive trying to find this movie, and nobody has responded. Except the universe itself. Uh, When we were doing our latest round of research on this, the Museum of Moving Image in Astoria, Queens, was doing a Terrence Malick retrospective, including a series of screenings of the different versions of Voyage of Time, two showings of which were the Brad Pitt version. The first one had finished that day, like when we were looking at it, I was like, fuck. But there's another one on December 6th. And I was like, guess I'm going to go there. I left work early. I took a $20 Uber from Williamsburg to Astoria. I was the first person in line. I sit down in my perfect seat. I like analyze everything. I'm like, this is going to be perfect. I'm going to be well-centered. And then I was very excited when like approximately seven other people came in. Uh, So I was not the only person there. The lights go down and the screen does the thing where it's like, and then it stops and the lights go back up. And this is where I first should have thought something was wrong. And then they go down again and then the screen like shrinks and it starts. And it is beautiful and silent and i'm like hmm interesting like this is lovely i wonder when brad pitt's gonna start talking and about a half an hour into this 40 minute (laughs) film i say there hasn't been any brad pitt yet and i'm like well maybe he doesn't start talking until they introduced humans (laughs) then he's like hey i'm brad pitt what's up (laughs) hey i'm brad pitt welcome to my channel um but then they introduce the humans and i'm like Still no Brad Pitt. And I'm like, well, maybe it's like the very end when they <laughs> like, like, introduce modern man. Hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> <That's his laughs> yeah, like, or just like a little thing where it's like the universe was uh, <laughs> creation and blah, 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 blah. And we must treat it delicately as it has treated us or some shit like that. And then the credits start rolling. And I'm like, maybe it's an after credits scene. <laughs> And then it's done. I'm like, all right, well, that was $16. Really more like $36, including my Uber. Jesus Christ. Um, So then I go to the counter girl who I'm like, I can't be mad at this counter girl because she didn't have anything to do with this movie. And also, she's basically me. And I was like, hey, so you showed the wrong version of the movie. And she like got this look of panic. And she's like, I know. And basically what happened was that their DCP key broke and, like, timed out, which either means that, like, there was something wrong with the clock in the computer or there was something wrong, like, the distributor sent them, like, a incorrectly coded key. A lot of things that could have gone wrong. But basically, like, 
the museum could not show the movie again. It was locked in the Disney vault. And so they were like, here's the email address to the curator and his assistant. Maybe they can help you. And me, an aspiring media archivist, said, um, thanks. I got in touch with them and heard back a few days later from the assistant curator of the Museum of Moving Image, who was like, I'm going to see if I can give you the contact information for the producers of Terrence Malick's films. (laughs) And if I can, you can email them and maybe they can help you. So, dear listener... We are very nearly, perhaps, going to be one to zero degrees of separation from Brad Pitt. And I hate it. The end. Listener, this is as close as we've ever flown to the sun. But uh, anyway, that's the update. That's that's where we're <laughs> we'll at. We'll keep you posted come next season. Yeah, we're at the, we're at the uh, Elite Eight. It's... Coming down to the nitty gritty. Yep. We got some cool stuff in store for you. Yep. Probably come at you in the new year. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I don't know how the timing is going to land on this. Um, we might take a little break, but it's, yeah. it might fall kind of naturally. We'll keep you posted. Oh, update. We're on Spotify now. So for those of you that have been asking. Yeah. We're on the internet. So if you need updates, you can find them. March Bradness on Twitter merch.bradness on instagram marchbradness.net on the world wide web and then you can listen to the archive if you want to catch up or share or have some laughs or just hang out with sarah and i um and you can find those on acast stitcher spotify on the march bradness itself website um uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, but do give us a like, a follow, a subscribe, a, a thumbs up, a star. Mention us at your family holiday tables for if you have cool family uh, who don't mind cuss words. Only cool family invited. I will not allow your uncool family to listen to me <laughs> speak. No, I don't want that. Only cool people allowed. Says the two girls watching every Brad Pitt movie multiple times. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're fucking cool. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed season three. And I hope that you are excited for season four. Because I know I am excited and terrified. That's how I am every day. All right. Well, I love you. I hope you have a good holidays. I hope that your new year is amazing. Uh, don't get too drunk. Mm-mm. Drink lots of water. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Make a nice wish hmm. on the New Year's cake. That's cute. Is that a tradition? No. Did you make it up? But it can be now. <laughs> I made it up. Uh, it's like a birthday for the universe. Wish on the New Year's cake. All right. With that, we must bid you farewell. We bid you adieu. <gasps> adieu. Adieu. Bye. Bye. Bye.